Well, good Sunday morning to you. Um, if uh, I know that uh, you know John already welcomed you, but I want again welcome you to Anthem Church. Um, if you've missed a couple of weeks, I know that sickness has been running rampant, or if this is your first time here, um, we have been going through a sermon series called Real Life. And what we have looked at is just real life topics that expose us that we deal with on a, on a regular basis in life. And the question is, is what does it look like for a real person with real faith, trusting in a real God, living in a real world, dealing with real problems and real temptations. So what we've been learning over the course of this last couple of weeks um, is that we do, we have a real God that extends real grace to us when we are faced with these life's moments. So today, uh, our real life topic is going to be friendships. Um, Friendships are important. I mean, I could take a poll in here and just ask, who of you out there does not have a friendship or have a friend? Uh, and I would bet that nobody would not raise their hand because everybody has friends. I mean, friendship is like an institution of sorts. I mean, institutions provide us stability. And what I mean by this is that, think about it like this. Schools, what do they offer us? They offer us stability in our education. Uh, going to the doctor, what does that provide us? It provides us stability in our health. What do jobs do? Well, they provide us stability in providing for our family. So when we look at the different relationships that we have in our lives, friendships are likely the ones that provide the most stability to us. So why are friendships so stabilizing for us? Well, I think that there's, you know, three things. There's common ground, there's common bond, and there's a common defense. So let me illustrate that. I am a graduate of the North Carolina of NC State, all right? I know you can bicker and boo if you're a Carolina fan. It's okay. Um, Hey, just so you know, I was a Carolina fan growing up my life, but when they did not allow me into their university, I had to switch allegiances, okay? (laughs) Just wanted you to know. But when I went to NC State, I decided to commute from home because, you know, I did not have the money to spend my life on campus. And I missed out on the dorm life experience. Uh, I didn't get a lot of time to meet a lot of people that were there at the school. In fact, I I chose my major. I was in business. And, you know, there there just wasn't a lot of people other than some of the classes that I got through that I I did. And um, when I even went to school and commuted, I mean, if you're at NC State, there is no parking, all right? In fact, you had, to, you had to go like a half a mile and pay the meter. So, I mean, you're watching the clock. You're not really learning. You're watching the clock. It's like, okay, I got to get out of here. I got to go pay the meter or move my clock. All right. So, you know, when I was there, I was just, I was there and I was gone. So, no friendships were really there for me to really gain. So, what I did is I tried to boost my interaction with people. And so, I joined, like most people do, a fraternity. All right. It's not that type of fraternity. It wasn't a social. It was a business fraternity. Why? Because there were three things. There was common ground. There was common bond and common defense. What I mean by that is we had a common ground. We all wanted to graduate in the field of business. All right? We had a common bond. We all wanted to be well-equipped that once we did graduate, that we could get some good jobs and know what we were talking about when we were at those jobs. We also had a common defense because we were all in the same classes and I could cheat off of all my other friends in that fraternity, right? 
No, but you know, if I was struggling in a particular area, let's say accounting or calculus or something like that, I had 60 other friends in that fraternity that I could go to because I know that one of them specialized in that particular field. So these friendships in my college days, they were st stabilizing during my college career. We had common ground, we had common bond and common defense. But I can tell you, I don't have any one of those friendships still today. Yeah, you know, you, you, you say like, ooh, why? You know, well, I think it's going to help, and I think that's why, that, you know, Rick committed me to doing the, the friendship of, you know, doing, doing friendship. Because um, today, in today's scriptures, we're going to be looking at friendship, uh, friendship between Jonathan and David um, and see why their friendship really lasted. So if you do um, have your Bibles, we're going to be turning to 1 Samuel. We're going to start in chapter 18. Now, um, for those of you who are new, we do, we do have Bibles here. There's, there's some underneath the seats. They're the blue and white Bibles. Um, feel free to take one of those. Um, we feel that it is important that everybody has God's Word at their grasp, so that's why we make them available. But I do say, and I always warn you, if you take it, it is officially yours, all right? So um, if, if, if we want that, if not, we're going to have these screens up here that are going to have some of the verses that I'm going to be listing out so you can follow along uh, that way as well. So when I, and this is my personal view, all right, when I look at the world, I think that there are a lot of big problems in society. Uh, one of those problems that, you know, we're going to address by the means of friendship is that we have a problem with relational poverty. And, why, and what I mean by relational poverty is simply this, that we have the lack of meaningful relationships in our lives. Most of the relationships, if you, you know, go back to my example about, you know, my fraternity, we have the lack of meaningful relationships in our lives. So hopefully by the end of our time here this morning, I, I want to answer this question. Why do real friendships matter? Why do real friendships matter? Friendship is a powerful need in our lives. Would you all agree? It is. Friendship, this friendship that we're going to be learning about Jonathan and David was so powerful and so true that it is still used as a biblical standard for today's world. So hopefully as we go through, we're going to you know, grab hold of some common threads that made David and Jonathan's friendship of such importance, of such value. All right, so if you're there already in 1 first, in first Samuel um, in chapter 18, we're just going to pick up. We're going to be reading the first five verses. All right, so if you're there, let me grab a swig. And let's begin. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the ro robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow, and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him, so that Saul set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of the people, and also in the sight of Saul's servant. So at this time in history, uh, Saul is the king of all of Israel, and Jonathan, his son, well, he's next in line to take the throne. And 
his position does hold a lot of prestige and honor, and, but at this point in history, there's something that's, that's, that's just happened that is, is really important to the story. This, where, where we pick up in, in chapter 18, well, if you remember, what is chapter, what is chapter 17? That is where David slayed Goliath, all right? So he has now just defeated the champion of the Philistines, and now he is the new champion and hero of all the people of Israel. So conflict, wouldn't you say? But David, were, David afterwards, you know, right after he, he, he killed you know, Goliath, he became the personal assistant of King Saul. Now, here in this story, and, and it, you have to go back a, even a little bit further than that, that Saul, Saul had been tormented by an evil spirit. And it was one of his, one of his you know, guys underneath him and says, hey, I know this guy who knows how to play a, a lyre. Uh, I think that's how you, how you pronounce it. It's, it's like a, a miniature harp, and, and, you know, that you string. And it was David. So he said, I know this guy. He, and when he plays it, you know, it's just good stuff. So that's what he did. He, he got David to come into his court, and he would play the harp. And every time he played this little harp, it alleviated just all the pain that, you know, King Saul was going through. And it was temporary, but, you know, King Saul made David a permanent part of, king's, of, of his king's court. And so he, since he is indebted to the king's service, he's going to be spending a lot of time at the castle or at the, you know, in his kingdom. And here we're going to see that, you know, and it's in the, kind of in the, I would say in the, the very, in the middle of the lines right there between, you know, what we're saying is, is that he spent a lot of time with David or, or with Jonathan. And so the first thing I, or not the first thing, but a, a little caveat to hear is that friendships are made by spending time with each other. All right. Friendships are made by spending time with each other. It is good that David is at the king's palace because he's, he, he is the favorite amongst the people. He's the favorite amongst King Saul. But also, God himself has favored David by selecting him to be the next king of Israel. You can see already maybe some conflict starting to, to, to fall in there as well. But verse 1, it starts off, it starts David and Jonathan's friendship as it says that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. So the first thing that we need to know about friendships is this. Friendships have a special bond. There was something that drew their hearts together. Something that held them together. Um, many of you have heard the, 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 ver, or the, the verse that was used. It's in Ecclesiastes. It says, a, three co- a threefold cord is not easily broken. And I brought my you know, visual aids to help me with that. As you can see, you know, I had to clean up coffee earlier. So, um, and you can see the little tear in there. You know that this, this illustration is going to work. All right. So just imagine this. This is, this is just knitted together. It's just two things. This like this, and it's just kind of weaved together just like that, all right? But when I apply pressure to it, what happens? It just comes apart. It, it, there, it doesn't even hold together. There was a special bond that held these two friends together. Now here, I'll give, I know this is my wife's, you know, nice, nice linens and stuff, but I promise it works. So as you can see here, there is another bond in there, as you would say, a, a, a three-quartered bond in there. And then when I try to rip, and I'm strong, it doesn't do anything, all right? 
it doesn't break. When a, when a pressure applied, it doesn't. So there's here, th that's all to say that there is something special to that bond that both Jonathan and David had. And for us, we have friendships. We have lots of different kind of friendships. Some of our friendships, uh, you know, circle around a certain hobby or an extracurricular act activity. I love to play football. I have a bunch of older friends or older guys, I would just say, that we get together, we send an email out and say, who wants to play? And we meet up on a ball field and we play for three hours just to show that we still got it, all right? We're not, I'm not that good. But our, our special bond is that we love being out on that football field and playing football. Well, think about it like this. Other, other, others of us have, you know, uh, you know office friendships. We, whether we're in sales or whether we're in customer service or actually if we're the ones that do the strenuous labor and actually get a lot of the stuff done, you know, there is a bond around what our company goals are. Here's another one. What about you as a sports fan? If you're a Carolina fan, now I've been to the Dean Don only once. That's because they didn't like me there, but, you know, it's okay. But when you go to the Dean Dome, instantly when you're watching a sports game there, there are 36 thousand other friends that we all have the common hope and all have the common goal that our team will win now they didn't change the schedule up they should have played you know there instead of Cameron Indoor Stadium last night but good win last night just want to let you know uh, but there is a bond there that when you're with amongst uh, you know you know all those other people there is that bond that you could know a perfect stranger but still be you know bonded together with them because you're rooting for the same team so now, once knowing that, let's take inventory of our friends that we have. Which one of those is the most meaningful to us? Which ones, and let me put it a different way, which ones do you think will last the test of time? My, I, I alluded to it earlier, and somebody even commented on it. I, I'll get, you know, you, you kind of hit it before. I was in. My, my, fraternity my fraternity friends, they didn't last. I guess that bond wasn't strong enough. It kind of ripped away. So what kind of relationships do we have? Are they ones that will easily just rip away? And now look, I tried to stay in touch with some of them. I befriended them all on Facebook. Um, but, you know, Facebook is, is not like having a, a real relationship with a person. It's done over the internet. A real person actually meets one-on-one. -on -one. There's a disconnect by doing that. My, meaning, my meaning, uh, meaningful relationships, I would have to say, is my church family. Uh, those here at Anthem, uh, fellow Anthemers, but not, even, not only just them, but even previous to, to this church, I have friends that go back from when my days were at Apex Baptist Church, when I was at Explore Church. I have a bunch of friends from a Bible study I did called BSF. I, I have tons of them that are all linked together by this, you know, this common bond. And that thing is, oh, those, those things are great. Because here at Anthem, I don't know if you know this, we've only been here for two years. And I would say that some of the bonds that I have with some of the people here, they're really strong. And I've only known them for two or less years. That doesn't come naturally. We're not just naturally drawn to one another. Why? I mean, uh, you know, 
Jeff, you, you said it in the prayer. You know, I, I figured I didn't even have to preach, but we all have different lifestyles, all right? We have different social economical statuses, right? Maybe our political views really don't line up. Uh, our leisure activities, they don't mesh well, all right? I mean, nobody wants to meet up with me on a football field, do you? All right, our entertainment choices, they don't mix well, right? Even our children, they're at different ages in, in their lives. So, I mean, it's not like we're, we're just there. But the world would say there is no reason why we should have the kind of bond that we really do. And then I read a scripture like Isaiah 11, and this is what it says. And follow me here because you might, it, it, it struck me first, but then as, as I'll explain it afterwards. Here, so just, just follow along with me. This is Isaiah 11, starting in verse 6. It says, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear, bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like an ox. The nursing, nursing child shall play over the hole of a cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the adler's den. And then it culminates in verse 9 and 10, and it says, But they shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord." And I, I'll describe this scripture passage like this, that we as people that were, you know, that how we formerly lived, we could go at each other. We're, we, we, we were, we're at different places. The, the, the scripture, how it describes the people in here, they were different at one point in time. I mean, some of us in here, I mean, knowing my, my lifestyle and my background and stuff, some of us were wolves. We would tear at each other. We were lions. We would just devour other people, all right? We were snakes in the grass. We liked to, you know, connive or connive or whatever you wanted to do. Others of us, you know, were, were meek as lambs. We were, we were nice, you know. We did stuff. Uh, others, you know, gentle as newborn calves and innocent as children. But who would ever think that those type of people could come and live together and actually survive and strive together? They couldn't. They absolutely couldn't unless they were brought together by a strong common bond. We have that bond wrapped around the truth of who Jesus is. That is our strong and common bond. The Holy Spirit actually knits our hearts together so that it is unbreakable. Just like Jonathan and David, when we are knit together as one, our bond cannot be easily broken. It doesn't unravel when just things of life happen. It goes deeper than just our circumstances. It's one based on the truth of Jesus being our focus. And not only that, but that is the power of God through all the churches across the United States, across the world, and across history. That is the one thing that we brings us all together. We are bonded together in the Holy Spirit. So why does the, so, so, so me, uh, you know, hold on, I lost my train of thought, but why do you think that the, the Lord cares about that? Why does the Lord, you know, care that we have that special bond? Well, it's because we have to be enabled to show his love. 
John 13, 34, 35 says, a new commandment I give you. This is Jesus talking. That you love one another just as I loved you. You also are to love one another. So let me ask the question here. And I've, I've asked it before, so let me ask it in another way. Do you have the kind of friendships that are knitted together by the Lord's doing? We all have friendships, but do we have the type of friendships that are knitted together by the Lord's doing? The second thing I want us to take away from David and Jonathan's friendship is that we are to be committed to one another. I think another thing that plagues our um, our society today is just the lack of commitment. Everybody's heard the, the old saying, and I, I jested with somebody about doing this, and I guess I'll just go it. But you've probably heard this song. It's a, it's a term that's used, but, you know, I wish I had Billy Ocean's theme song going. When the going gets rough, the tough get going. When the going gets rough. You know, you know what I'm talking about. But, but he says, when the going gets rough, what happens? The tough get going. Well, um, I would, I would, I would, I, I love that song, and I would love to agree with Billy Ocean on that fact. But uh, when I look at America today, I think the song should be rewritten and says, "When the going gets tough, we run." <laughs> because there's one staggering statistic that stands out to me more than anything else when I when I just look at it. And it's just, you know, we did a, we did a, a sermon on marriages, and you haven't you listened to it. I, I, I do implore you to go listen to it. But the most revealing thing that I can find is that 50% of all marriages fail. That's mind-boggling. 50%. And the, the worst statistic for me is this. It doesn't matter if it's a Christian marriage or if it's a non-Christian marriage. It's all the same. People today are not committed. But verse 3, it, it said that Jonathan made a covenant with David. Now, a covenant is an Old Testament term that simply means it is a pledge of commitment. I mean, you don't break a covenant. This is something that you are, you know, you, you nailed, you, whatever you do, you, you wrap chains around it. It is, it is a pledge of commitment. You stick through with it no matter if things are not going your way. And the thing is, is that King Saul, Jonathan's dad, tried to kill David on several occasions. And it, it would have been easy for Jonathan to just simply forget about his pledge to David and turn a blind eye to everything that was going on and, you know, side with his father. I mean, this is his father, for heaven's sakes. But Jonathan stood up for David. In fact, in the very next chapter, in chapter 19, this is what Jonathan had to say to his, to his dad about David. He said in, in 1 Samuel 19, 4, it says, And Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul his father and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his deeds have brought good to you. He had an opportunity to simply just walk away to not defend his friend, to say, yeah, sorry, um, my bond with my dad is a little bit bigger. But Jonathan was committed to David, even if it meant severing 
family ties. Now, this is a true story in my life about possibly cutting family ties. Um, I married a wonderful woman in, in Rose. Uh, she's sitting over there in the, the front row. I don't want to make her, um, you know, blush or anything, but that's her right there. <laughs> and, when, and when you start a family, you start to get into the what-ifs in life, right? And one of those what-ifs started when we started to have a family. Um, and that what-if that, that we had to ponder was, if the Lord were to take us both home, where would our kids go? What would, what, would, what would happen to them? And the one thing that I know that we are committed to is raising our children in a loving environment um, where they can grow up with the foundation that one day they will get to know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, we made a decision. We chose some of our church family to become... Um, over a blood relative to become the guardians of our kids. And we chose them because, you know, they helped disciple us in our Christian walk. So who better to, you know, to maybe lead them than the ones who led us? And they agreed, and they did. And, but that didn't sit well with a lot of, the, I wouldn't say a lot, of, a few of our blood relatives, you know, that were in our family. But we made the choice. We, choose, we chose the guardians based on their commitment to the Lord. Why did I choose my brothers, you know, here at Anthem Church? Well, because they're brothers in Christ. I, we, we see them do, and we do life together with them. Uh, we see their passions. We, we see their heart. We see the faith that they exhibit. You know, how common, I mean, just, just how they love the Lord by their commitment to him by serving here at just our local body. We are committed to each other because we are committed to the Lord. Did I tell you how much I love my church family? <laughs> I do. So how do you prioritize who you are committed to? Your commitment to something is only as good as the bond that you have with it. My bond with the, you is that, you know, we share in the Holy Spirit. The third thing we should aspire in our friendships is submitting our own interest. I know that one's a hard one, but um, in two separate places, it says that Jonathan loved David as his own soul. Now, this is a, a very telling statement. And the reason is, is because who do we all love the most? It should be Jesus, but no, it's not Jesus, it's ourselves. We love ourselves. Numero uno. There is nobody that knows more about me than me. I know what I like. I know what I don't like. I know what gets me upset. I know what makes me happy. I know what my passions are. I know what my vices are. I know what even changes all of those things when I'm not feeling good, all right? So no one knows me like me. So when Jonathan loved David as his own soul, he was actually laying down all of his interest and in saying, hey, buddy, what do you like to do? Let, me do? let me do whatever you do. And I don't have time to, to read this part, but later in 1 Samuel, Jonathan risked losing 
his future kingdom. Remember, he was, he was the son of a king, but he risked losing all of his future kingdom and his own life by just standing up to King Saul on behalf of, of David. All of that could have just gone away just simply by him having that conversation with his dad. Jonathan was putting David ahead of himself. That's the very definition of love, submitting our own interest and putting the interest of others before ourselves. Jesus put it this way, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great, greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I get it. This is a, a hard concept to follow. Uh, even if I hadn't included Jesus' words on here, it, it's not something that we really want to do. It's not something that just comes natural. I know because I love my wife, and I will try to put her first in my life a lot of times. Friends, hopefully that you could attest to me about this, that I want to put you ahead of myself. But I can truly say that that only really lasts for maybe 10 minutes at a time. <laughs> it's not sustained. It, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't carry over for, you know, a lot and a lot of, you know, just for lots of time. I always come back to what I know. And what is that? Me. So how do I continue to just put others in front of myself? Well, let's build on what we've just learned. It, it, it takes work, but not only does it take work, it, it changing, it, not only, it, it, we have to change the way we think, but it, we also have to have a change of heart. And that's where we come into the fact of we have to have that groundwork that sets us apart by having that common bond. We have to be united with the Spirit. We have to commit ourselves to them. It's not a thing that you know, is naturally done, so we have to recommit ourselves, you know, to wanting to do that on a daily basis. And by simply loving them as Jesus has asked for me to do, we need to just make them more important than myself. Well, I'm watching a ball game. Oh, no, I'll go do the dishes. It's a lot easier said than done, but that's the type of lifestyle we just have to get into. That's, that's what the Lord has called us to do. And this can only be done by the Lord working on our heart. So the, my question for this division is, who is first in your heart? When you think of the most, who is the first person that comes to mind? Hopefully one day we'll, when I say that, I'll unequivocally say it's Jesus. I can't. I want to say that now. Sometimes I just can't because I know myself. The fourth thing that we want to take away from Jonathan and David's friendship is that we are to lay it all out on the line. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says that Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. Now, in recognition of God's choosing David as king, what this is saying is that Jonathan handed David his royal robe and his sword 
transferring to David his own status to include the right of kingly succession. Jonathan just, he laid it at his feet. This says a lot about Jonathan's character. He was willing to give up everything that he was destined for, for what? For the sake of David. Jonathan had nothing to gain by this gesture. In fact, he had everything to lose. A kingdom at his, you know, at his fingertips. But rather serve as king, he was ready to serve David. And when I was going over this and, you know, sermon prepping for this, there was one word that just kept coming to my mind. And it doesn't say it in here, but, you know, by Jonathan's actions, it's the only word that I know how to relate it to anything. But Jonathan made himself vulnerable. I mean, think about it. If you just picture it, he's laying down every weapon that he owned at the feet of David. It left him defenseless. And as he let, just set him down at David's feet, you know, he was trusting David with doing the right thing. Think about that in regards to our friendships, being vulnerable. Are we willing to really open up to our friends so that they could speak into our lives or that we could speak into theirs? Are we really, do we really have that, you know, you know openness to be able to show them the, the depths of our hearts, the, the sin that is buried down in there? Because I'll tell you what, I don't want to let people see that. I don't want you to think of me, why is this guy preaching to me? All right, because there are some things in my heart that I know that, you know, that, that are not good. But we need those type of friends. Why? Because just think of it as a ship. If you're heading from like here to the Bahamas and a storm comes and you just get slightly off course, you're going to end up in Cuba, all right? We need those friends to come along beside us and to help put us right back on the right path. I know it's easier said than done, but in, in, in even worse, guess what the world says? The world says, oh, if you make yourself vulnerable, then, you know, you're weak. But in essence, it makes us stronger. I am blessed to say that I have friends like that here at the church, that when I am struggling, I can call them up or I can you know, meet with them, and they have the time to sit down and just hear me out, and then they don't bash on me, but they give me words of encouragement. They lift me back up, and then, I mean, just like yesterday, I was, I was just struggling, right, and so I left to go help pick up a piece of furniture for the, the free yard sale coming up in a couple of weeks, and by the time I got there, it's pretty much loaded up into somebody else's car. I'm like, why did I ever make it out here? But it was good because that friend stopped and said, let's pray because I know you've been struggling. And he just took the time, you know, right there in the middle of the street to just, to just lift me up. And man, not only does it encourage me, but it helps me lift my head back up and see what I am supposed to be doing. It takes being vulnerable to get those types of results. Do we have those types of friends that are willing to love us 
like that. A self-sacrificing love, laying it out on, all out on the line no matter what the cost. In John 15, it, it, it tells us, Jesus is talking here, and he says that you, he, he tells us too that you are to love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, but someone lays down his life for his friends. Jonathan didn't literally lay down his life and, and, and die, but Jonathan laid it down for David. And Jesus wants us to love our friends in the same way, to put them ahead of ourselves. So there we have it. Four things that make friendships better. That last longer. Friendship it, it should have no bond like any other. It should be built out of commitment. It is to put other interest, other person's interest ahead of ourselves, and we are to have no reservations about it, willing to do it. I hope that we all have friends like that. We need friends like that. I asked the question earlier, why do relationships matter or why do friendships matter? And the reason is, is because it's important to God. He's the one who actually established the foundation of friendship. He wants us to have real friendships. And, and the most important friendship he wants us to have is the one with himself. In the story we read here in Samuel, God loved David so much that he didn't just give him any old friend. God gave David the son of a king for his friend. Likewise, God just didn't give us any old friend. He gave us his son, King Jesus, to be our friend. Proverbs 18.24 speaks out about Jesus when it says, A friend that sticks closer than a brother. Think about the relationships that the relation or the friendship that David and Jonathan, you know, how they had and how the Lord was displayed in every aspect of that approach. They were knit together. The Lord says in Deuteronomy 31, 18, it says, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. The Lord wants to be knitted to our souls. The second thing. They were committed to each other. Jeremiah 31, 33 says, But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. People, the, the Lord is committed to us. The third thing that David and Jonathan did is they, they submitted their own interests. Guilty of nothing, but being God, Jesus submitted his own life for us. John 10, 14, 15 uh, says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and am laying down my life for the sheep. Jesus was willing to lay down his life for his friends. And the fourth thing that, you know, the relationship between Jonathan tells us is that they laid it, all, laid, it all, laid it all out on the line. And it goes to show what 
Jesus has done for us. Romans 5.8 says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There is no greater friend to have than Jesus. When we accept his friendship, we enter into a brotherhood of being Christians, which means that we are bonded together by the Holy Spirit. We're committing to spreading the good news about who Jesus is to anyone. I, as you can tell, a lot of neighbors have heard and they've come this morning. We are compelled to love our neighbors as ourselves, and, and we are willing to lay down our own selves for the sake of them. Those are the friendships that actually last for eternity. So the question is this morning, where do we find ourselves in regards to the most, the most important friendship that we could have? Our friendship with Jesus. Have you asked him to be your friend? Have you asked Jesus into your heart so that you guys could be knitted together? Do you know that he gave up his life to rescue us from the sinful state that we're in? The world is, is filled with sin and we're a part of it. We're not naturally drawn to who God is. Sin separates us. But Jesus went to the cross to cut that bond away from us being linked to and started a new bond with him. Have you ever made that choice to make him your friend in your life? If not, you can make him your friend at any point in time. Those of you who actually have made Jesus your friend, um, but have really never fully committed yourself to him, or maybe you have committed yourself to him, what more does he want you to do? What more is he asking you to, to do? Does your friendship need to go deeper? Do you need to just have Jesus come rescue you from something that you're, you're suffering from? You, the, the fact is, is you don't have to do it alone. That's, that's why we here at Anthem Church, we do A-teams. It's our small groups that we meet together as small little collections of, uh, of groups of people in homes. And what do we do there? We discuss life, we discuss the Bible, and we discuss, you know, what the Lord is doing. And, and that's where we are, really that vulnerability comes out because we, we, we love each other so much that we do life together, not only in those groups, but when it comes here, it just makes a joyous celebration with all of those groups coming together. If you're not a part of one, we'd love to have you. It's free. This is always good. But here at Anthem Church, we are dedicated and committed to making Jesus first, not only in our hearts, but also in our lives. I hope that you will, those of you who have come for maybe the first time or are visiting, that you will want to make Anthem Church your home because we are bonded together by the blood and committed to serving Jesus. And I'm going to ask the, go ahead and ask the band to come up, and if you would, go ahead and, and close your eyes, and we'll end like this. And I'll ask a, 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 bunch, a, bunch, a few questions, and um, let's do some work in our hearts this morning.
with eyes bowed, let's just, we're going to spend some, some time together. But go ahead and just, you know, spend some time with the Lord this morning and ask him, however the Lord is wrestling with you in your heart, let's make it known to him in, in prayer this morning. Ask the Lord to reveal himself as being your true friend if you need it. Ask him that how you can deeper your relationship with him. I'm just going to give us a few moments to, to speak to the Lord, and then I'm going to close us in prayer. Oh, Lord Jesus, I just thank you that I committed my life to you and made you my friend when I was early in my, my years. But, Lord, I, I strayed from you. But as a friend, you kept reaching out to me. You kept pursuing me. You kept putting me ahead of yourself, and I'm thankful for that. Thank you for loving us that way, that you continue to pursue us as being a friend. Lord, if there is anybody here this morning that has, has not made you that, that friend and, I, and still needs more questions answered, Lord, I just ask that they come to me, they come to Pastor Rick, they come to somebody who actually is serving here. Lord, we want to, we want to point them to you and how deep your friendship is with us. Lord, we are bonded together by your Holy Spirit. We are committed to one another and loving one another by putting, putting ourselves down and lifting somebody else up. Lord, continue to work on our hearts like that because we're not naturally drawn to that. But Lord, we want to be. We so want to be. We want to make ourselves vulnerable so that when we do, do go off course, you can steer us back in the right direction. Lord, thank you for giving us that friendship that only you could give us. It's an eternal one. Because not only will we have you here, but we will get to spend the rest of our lives with you in the future to come. However, we may need to talk to you this morning. Lord, do work in our heart. Wrestle with us so that we can come to know you as better friends. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen.